Connect Church, how are you guys doing this morning? You doing good, Ashland? Come on, come on. Listen, I don't know if y'all checked out online or any of the other campuses, but we can hear everything you guys say, all right? So I just want to let you know, can we just give it up for Tri-County and Framingham right now? For anybody watching online, we love you and we're so thankful and so grateful. Uh, but none more grateful are we than if you are here for the first time if you're in Framingham for the first time, if you're here at Ashton, Tri-County and Bellingham, if you are here, I just wanna say not just welcome, but I wanna say welcome home. This has become home for my family. You're gonna see a, a picture of them in a minute and I don't wanna spoil it, but I love them very much, <laughs> all right? And, and this, that's what this is gonna be for you, is this is gonna be a home. Just you gotta give it a couple, two, three weeks and there's community here for you. You have to trust me on that. Uh, we are, and if you're new here too, we're, we're one church in many locations. We have three physical locations where people go every Sunday, and we have, a, we have our, online, our online location. And this is a cool stat. Maybe if it's only just cool to me, but who knows Billy Graham? You guys heard of Billy Graham, somebody? Help me out here. All right, good. So Billy Graham preached to 215 million people, all right? 85, only 85 million, I say that in context, only 85 million saw him live. All right, so I'm just here to tell you as the Framingham campus pastor, church is not a live communicator, it's a loving community. And so I hope that that's what you found no matter where you are. Here at Ashland, if you come here every week for second service, if you go to Framingham, TC, church is the people. All right, even the message, I'm telling you, I don't want this to happen, but you're probably gonna forget the message by Tuesday. All right, but what I hope you don't forget are the interactions you have with people. That's what I hope you don't forget. So, uh, and with that, I just have to thank my family first and foremost, my beautiful bride, uh, Nicole, and we're gonna put a picture of them up here in a second, but I would not be able to, to pastor and lead the way I do. I would not even be able to be here this morning uh, if, if it wasn't for my family. And so I would love to introduce you guys to uh, Nicole and Harper and maybe, maybe Peyton. Um, here they are. Can we give it up for my beautiful family? That's my bride, Nicole, and that is our two and a half, oh, she is super, super cute. She's cuter in person, my two and a half year old, and my wife, actually. Uh, that's uh, Harper Grace, and uh, that little one there was born two weeks ago, Peyton Sage, two weeks ago, and I just have to say, from the bottom of my heart to every single location, she was not born in a hospital, but she was born in our home, and the, this was a home that the church built. So I just wanna thank all of you guys for helping us, because there's countless many people, some are in this room here today, that helped us with our home, and it's so we could have our baby in there, and it, was, it all just happened in, in God's timing, in God's timing. So I'm not gonna tell you what room she was born in, because then you're never gonna come over, all right? But, uh, and even just knowing that, you can all, you know, just praise and honor to God and my wife, my goodness gracious. Uh, listen, how, so the thing is, we've been, we've been on the online campus, I never get a chance to do this, but because we've been home with the baby, I've been at the online campus the last two weeks, and got to see Pastor Steve from my living room last week. How many people got to see, hear from Pastor Steve last week? All right, where he introed the, the summer series. We're calling it Summer School. All right, and I don't know about you, but when I was younger, so much younger than today. Now, when I was younger, listen, I, summer school was a ne had a negative connotation. So I don't know if that's the same. It probably isn't because things have changed and they're changing rapidly, some for the good, some not. Uh, but summer school was kind of a negative thing. And I don't, I, listen, you're not in detention today. Summer school is not because you're behind. Summer school is because we want to get you ahead. So I just want you guys to know that right now. We want to teach you some things so you can get ahead of the world. We're calling it th this theme of the, of Last week and this week and the next two weeks with, with Pastor Keaton and Pastor Kim is wisdom lived out. Oh, that's good. So we want what you hear today, we want you to live it out. 
Don't just, the Bible says in James, don't just be hearers of the word, but to be doers. And how do you do that? I'm telling you, Christian said it up front, is take some notes. So if you guys can take out your phones, take out a pen and a pad, I'm telling you, this is the best way to retain. You will forget the message if you write it down. We say note takers are history makers for this very reason. There was a neurological study and, um, and you get more robust brain activity and better memory recall by writing things down. That's why we're asking you to do this. Is so you can actually look at something in, oh, I don't know, two, three days in a week and be like, the Holy Spirit's gonna tell you, take out that phone, read that note. What did, what did God, because I'm not speaking to you, God's using me to speak to you. So he's like, hey, what did God have for me last Sunday or two weeks ago? And you're gonna have that. So I really encourage that for you guys, wherever you go. So we wanna be humble. We wanna be teachable, right? We wanna be learned students of what God has for us, all right? The Bible's not just there. There's an awesome quote from uh, Charles Spurgeon, a preacher from the 1800s, but he said, a dusty Bible leads to a dusty life, all right? And so like, if you want, and guess what? If your phone is, if you're not taking notes on your phone when you're, and you're not reading your Bible, I'm telling you that that's what it's gonna lead to. So do everything you can to retain what we're speaking about here today. Uh, Pastor Steve did such a good job uh, teaching me, teaching us about the reward of putting faith into action last week the reward, doing what God asks you to do. Because God gives us instruction. Do you guys know that? He gives us, that's what the Bible is. Like he, secrets, right? He, that's, he gives us instructions. Uh, he gives it for what we're gonna talk about today through James and Paul. And we're gonna go to the Old Testament and the New Testament and all throughout scripture about what to do and how to act in trials. And I know everyone in this room has been in one is in one or is about to be in one. Why? Because the Bible tells me so. Like, that's what we're gonna get into. Like, we're not supposed to be surprised when a trial springs on us. We're supposed to be expectant. Expectant, expecting and say, hey God, how, okay, I'm here. Not why me. And so that's what we're gonna get into today. Does that sound good to you guys? Not a why me heart posture, a here I am, Lord, heart posture. Uh, an old boss of mine said, hearing is a sense, listening is a skill. All right, hearing is a sense. Listening is a skill. I listen to him, and so he's no longer my boss. But no, the, so what happens is this is that's what Pastor Steve showed us last week. So if listening's a skill, that's going to help you listen with intent today, and then and then go out and do it. So I just pray that you guys don't just hear what God has for you today; that you actually go out and do it. And so we're going to take it from the top. Now, kind of the top. We're going to skim. He, well, I'm going to start in verse two. James chapter one, verse two says, "Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance." And then verse four says, "Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything." Let us pray right now, Jesus. We love you. We love you, God. You, we're, we're entering this, we're gonna, we're gonna find out about trials and tests today and how to see them from your light, your perspective through James, our Sunday school teacher today. But you, God, are our ultimate teacher. So I just pray this morning that we pass any tests you have for us here, even in this moment, that we pass the tests from going, being uh, doers, uh, from being hearers to doers, Lord, that we pass the tests from uh, trial in and trial out, that we look at things as pure joy, no matter what it is, God. God, teach us this morning, rebuke us, correct us, and love us like only you can in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. All right, you guys ready to hear something today? You guys ready to learn something today? Listen, do you remember last week that Pastor Steve taught us that James wasn't just James. There's several James uh, going on in the Bible, right? James was actually Jesus' 
half-brother, all right? And I have five sisters and three brothers. You don't have to pray for me now. You should have prayed for me 20 years ago, all right? But I have five sisters and I have three brothers, okay? I, have no, I, I understand. Like, I wouldn't have believed any of my siblings if they said they were the son of God or daughter of God. So that just wasn't happening, all right? So I understand. I empathize with James. And I can only picture the, the parenting going on in that house, right? Like, hey, who, who left the toilet seat up? And James is like, well, Jesus, James. <laughs> James, come on, son. Like, you can see, you can hear Mary's tone. Like, hey, who didn't finish their plate for dinner? Who's, who left this mess? Jesus did. James, come on. We know, he didn't, we know he didn't do it. Listen, so we learned last week that James and Jesus were brothers, right? We also learned that James didn't believe that his brother was the son of God. He did not believe that Jesus was the son of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 15 shows us an interaction between these brothers. It shows, this is post-resurrection. It says that Jesus was revealed to 500 brothers and sisters. It says it just like that, very vague, but awesome, right? 500 people saw Jesus alive after, he, after his resurrection. And then it says, and then James. You see how intently that is? And then James, right? It says, God revealed himself to 500 brothers and sisters and then Obi, right? God revealed himself to 500 brothers and sisters and then JD. Like this is, there was some intent here. There was something that God was doing. James saw two things clicked for James. Well, obvious. Well, Jesus, my brother is the son of God, all right? And then the other thing clicked, pain has a purpose. Because we just had communion. James was there. Like this was a week few, four or five days after watching his brother get murdered, tortured, mocked, beaten. Now they're grieving. Have we even thought of these angles? They're, his parents and him are grieving the loss of their, their son and their brother. And then he sees him. That was his, he was born again. That was his moment. Just like Saul and Paul. You guys know that, right? Saul, he's persecuting Christians. He falls off the horse. He's blinded. Scales fall. He just writes three quarters of the New Testament. This was James James falling off the horse moment right here was where it says, in then James, he realized in that moment that pain has a purpose. All the pain he saw his brother go through three or four or five days before this interaction, he realized it was for the forgiveness of the world. There's a purpose to it. And I'm telling you right now, there's a purpose to the pain that you're going through. There is a God has something. God has something planned. So just like things clicked for James when Jesus approached him, I want them to click for you this morning. From that moment, he saw pain differently. And from this moment, you can see pain differently. Is that, is that good, church? You guys ready to see pain differently today? So the title of the message is Let's Make Pain Look Good. So write that down. Let's make pain look good. Now, right? I didn't say let's make pain feel good. Because <laughs> it doesn't. Terrible. Miserable. Right? It does not feel good. I'd be lying to you if, we, if I wrote that and stood up here and said that. But I have to give an account to God of what I say to you. And so I had to scratch out that word feel and write good. Let's make pain look good. I want to take a moment. Like, so in honor, I just want to honor uh, wives and mothers. We saw the picture of my family, but mothers um, everywhere go through this, that nine months of, of growing a baby. Like I can't even get into it. It's the biology and what God, God's design is unbelievably beautiful, right? Um, and, but there's also, it's, but it's a painful process. Like my, watching my wife, again, we did it at home, so I actually got to, to deliver the baby. It was amazing, absolutely amazing, and, uh, and, and gross. And it was, um, <laughs> but amazing, but amazing. It was very cool, actually. Um, but, there was a, so, but it was a painful process, and mothers here know what I'm talking about. 
after birth, postpartum, there's also a painful process, a healing process that has to happen. Then that's expected. Then there is above average, like some things, listen, we do not believe in bad luck, by the way. God is a sovereign God, but we do believe there are bad circumstances. And some bad circumstances happen. We're like, my wife has been in more pain than she should be um, over the past couple of weeks. She's been good the last couple of days, but the first two weeks have been really, really uh, difficult. And for her, it's been physical. For some women, it can be in postpartum depression. No, this is stuff that we have to talk about. Like, there's just some things that happen. Uh, but for my wife, it's been physical. And I'm telling you, it was easy for me to be super dad. Like, I, I literally, I'm not lying. I put, I was vacuuming and I had one kid on my back and one kid in my arm. Harper loves to play, you know, I call it, what do I call it? I call it the monkey express. I don't know why. But she like grabs onto me like she's in the, at the zoo. And then I have the infant and I'm vacuuming and I'm letting, letting my wife rest. This was maybe six or seven days ago, right? So I, can, I had no problem being super dad, but I had a really hard time being super husband. Like my wife, one of the toughest women I know is crying because she's hurting. Like that was really, that was really hard for me. But I, I, and I want to thank you, sweetie, for letting me share this with everybody. But it's so I could share this with you. I, I shared that so I could share this. I told her, and this is what I've told many people when I, a lot of times pastors don't always know what to say, right? And so I go back to God's truth. That should be all we tell you, by the way, is God's truth. And I said, listen, honey, I do not know why this happened. I do not know why this happened, but we're not going to get through it to the other side without leaning into what God has for us right here in the middle. And that's what I want to let you guys know. Since we believe pain has a purpose, in the middle of the junk, see, see what God has for you. Don't wait. We're going to talk about that today. Don't survive and wait and see what happens at the end. Don't do that. Thrive through what he has for you. The good, the bad, and the otherwise. Does that sound good? Listen, God always has something for you. It's a matter of if you're going to take it. The trials that plunge us into grief feel impossible to navigate. I have been there. Anyone that's lived more than 10 years, 15 years, you know, like we've, been, we've seen this. It's, they're really difficult to navigate. The days are marked for some people by chronic illness. My father-in-law has chronic pain, physical or emotional. It can take a toll on your well-being, your workplace, your family, right? If you don't look at this the way God wants us to look at it, if we're not healing through these processes and getting stronger, we're actually getting weaker. I'm going to hurt the people around us. Some of these trials, it could be marriage, kids, health, physical or mental health, work. Um, sometimes they loom large. They loom large. My youth, my, uh, youth leader, uh, Brenda, just had her third brain uh, surgery on Thursday. Uh, so that's a looming large one. If you guys can please, if you can write her name down uh, and we can pray for her as a church. She has three wonderful kids, uh, daughters all in their 20s. And a wonderful husband. I remember when uh, Rich and Brenda came into my life. I must have been 15 years old. And they just took over the church's youth group. And we went on mission trips. And it was amazing. But here she is. I just saw her. We did a, we did a prayer vigil for her in Westboro where they live. And she's suffering well. Like she's considering a pure joy. Wow. She, what? We can do this. Like we can consider what God has for us. Pure joy. Because uh, here's the thing. The temptation. So some loom large like Brenda. Some, some you know, kind of bother us a little bit, like a, like a fly, right? Like, like a biting fly. So you got the big ones, you got the small ones, and you have all the ones in between. God's saying all of them consider a pure joy. All of them. And the temptation is to equate joy with, you know, happiness, a bubbly personality, optimism, a permanent smile. Like, I have all those things, but that's not how I get through trial. That's not how I get through trial. That's not how God wants you to get through trial either. James is, uh, he's, God, through James, is calling us to a thinking response more than an emotional one. He's not telling us how to feel about our trials to consider a pure joy. Uh, he's telling us how to think about our circumstances. 
That's what he's wanting. Hey, son, daughter, look at it from my perspective. From I know more than you. Look at it from my perspective. The word consider or count, some of the translations say count it as pure joy. In, in the Greek, uh, it's an accounting term. It means to evaluate. So that's what James is asking us to do. He's encouraging us to evaluate our trials from God's, God's angle. And to know that present pain, what he saw when things clicked, to know that present pain brings future glory. James wants us to know, expect trials of all kinds. And not just that, as Christians, we actually need to know they're not just going to run the gamut, but they're actually going to, they're going to kind of always be there. They're going to come. Like you are, if you have not yet, you will have one. And if you already had one, you're going to have another one. Yeah. It's just how we, it's how we approach them. It's a, it's, do, we pass the, do we pass the test? Trials are a part of our human experience. In John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus is telling his disciples the same thing James is telling us here. He said, there's going to be trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer. There it is. There's joy. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Yeah. Like it's perspective. It's an eternal perspective to your temporary pain. To whatever you're going through in that season, we have an eternal, we have a hope that we can grab, grab onto. So we need, I need and you need to develop and, and improve our attitude that considers trials from God's perspective. So I want to give you guys four whys, four whys, not ways, four whys for considering trials, pure joy. You guys ready for this? I'm going to give you four of them. I need you to write them down. I need you to read the notes in a couple days and I need you to do them. And if you don't want to write them down, this will be on YouTube in like an hour probably. So like, I don't know, you know what I mean? So go, go take a peek. I don't know what you do. Listen, the first one is so you can, the first point, hey, why? Why am I going to consider trials pure joy? Well, the first is so you can pass the test of faith. The first is so you can pass the test of faith. In other words, so you can be trusting in him, but also, here's an angle we don't look at often, trusted by him. Trials are tests. It says that in verse 3. There's a, it's a presumptive statement. He says, you know that the testing of your faith, dot, dot, dot. So this is a test. A trial is a test. You have an opportunity every trial, every test to trust God, and God gets to see just how faithful you are. Have you ever thought, have you ever asked yourself, does God trust me? Have you? I know he loves you. I know he knows you. Does he trust you? Most of you have heard the scripture, if you're faithful with a little, you'll be faithful with much. Thank you. You'll, you. Do you know what comes after that? What's after the comma? If you're dishonest with little, you'll be dishonest with much. Listen, I am not saying that you or even myself, that we're dishonest in character, but trials and tests are a gauge. They are a barometer into our real relationship with God. If you praise him and love him and shout his holy name outside the trial, and then you get in inside the trial and you say, what was me? And you just put your head in the sand. You did not actually trust him and love him and praise him as well as you thought you did. You guys tracking? Yeah. So you failed the test. But here's the, the best part is that there's going to be another opportunity. And then another opportunity. And then another opportunity. So you can't, don't worry about the, te the test that you failed. Just get, look forward to the next trial. Did you hear what I said? Look forward to the next trial so you can pass the test. That's godly. Yeah. That's biblical. Anyone outside these walls telling you to look forward to a trial, by the way? We serve a God, it's a, we call it an upside down kingdom in the Bible. Yeah. Like it's not nothing like the kingdom of earth. <laughs> like God, whatever the world's saying, God's probably saying the other, yeah. the, the whole other side of the spectrum. Like, you're going to leave here today, hey, what do you learn at church? Well, to I'm looking forward to my next trial. Like, <laughs> what's your problem? Love God, love Jesus. Like, here's the thing, and we'll talk about this later, actually, but it actually will get other people to church. Yeah. You can be a, your mess can become a message if you consider trials pure joy. Oh, 
So here's the thing. There are three ways that trials are brought on. Three ways. Some trials are brought on by you, by your thoughts and your actions. Anybody? I've brought on my own trials. I cannot be alone. Who has brought on their own trials in this life? Can, we, can I say amen? Can I hear amen? All right. Uh, some trials are, are brought on by other people. All right? All right. Other, can, we, can I hear kill them? Can, no. Listen. <laughs> listen. That's only from experience. All right? Only I can't get into that story today, but I only wanted to kill somebody for like 48 hours. All right? <laughs> Listen, for, I'm not even kidding. Forgiveness, though, I'm also not kidding with forgiveness. It's not a message for tomorrow. It's a message for today. It's a message for every day. So if you still have that, if you're, still, if you're harboring anything or bitterness, or what, guys, forgive that person. Forgive that person because Christ forgave you. You cannot receive his forgiveness and hold on to unforgiveness. It's not godly math. Okay, you guys tracking? That's just some bonus stuff. That was not part of the notes. Okay, listen, here's the thing. They're brought on by you, your thoughts and your actions, they can be brought on by some other people. I want to tell you too, from my experience, some of the ones brought on by others in my life, I had a part to play. I'm not saying every single one of them, all right? But there was plenty where I had to look deep and be like, wow, I had something to do. That, that actually helped me in my road to forgiveness. And so those are two ways trials are brought on. A third way is the aspect of this broken world. I don't know if that's a new, if new terminology to you. And if you're new here, like I, you're going to learn something real, real fresh. God set forth a perfect world. He set forth a perfect world. He gave a very simple command. And I'm, I know now that I'm a father of a two and a half year old that they love to break the simple commands. Like don't eat that and don't do that. And that's exactly what they go and do. So it's like, listen, God doesn't tempt us. He tests us. But Adam certainly felt something when he was told not to do something, Adam and Eve. And listen, they, they did what they weren't supposed to. And this is what it says in Genesis 3. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all your days of your life. That's the Old Testament way of saying there's going to be trials and tribulations. Yeah. Like, that's what, that's what he's saying. And then curses the ground because of you. Well, every one, everything that's happened since then has been a curse. And every person born since then has, is born into sin. That's why we have to be born again. Hurricanes, part of the broken world. Alzheimer's. And thank you, Pastor Steve, for bringing us into your family uh, with everything that you went through with your mother and, and Alzheimer's. And we know with Pastor Ernie as well. Like, this stuff's real. This stuff's real. This is part of the broken world. Don't search for a why. I just told you why. All right, cancers, right? Hurricanes. Like this is, so that's another way that trials, that trials are brought on. So that means everyone born since then is not just born into sin. We're actually born susceptible to the same sickness and disease and, and storms and circumstances. All of us. Level playing field. So regardless of the trial, you, them, or the broken world, it's a test of faith. And it's one that you should relish, one that you should look forward to. Because the next verse tells us it produces something inside of us. It produces a perseverance or endurance in some translations. Why does it do that? It's so you can finish the race complete. Like, wow, complete. How many people want to be complete, by the way? How many people are incomplete? Like right here? Come on. The tools you need to finish the race are not running shoes, not the right uh, brand of bottled water. It's not the right wind-resistant shirt. There's way too many brands of bottled water. Not, it, it's endurance, the Bible says. It's pushing forward, continuing to do something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. That's what we're asked to do in the trial. Enduring and, here's cool, what's cool. Enduring and persevering have their roots. Uh, their etymology is in the, the word patience. How many of us think patience is a passive word? Yeah, oh, I'm just waiting. <laughs> Not godly. Yeah. Patience is an active word. It, it means to endure or to suffer. We have to change the way we look at some of these words. Patience 
isn't waiting and doing nothing. All right? If you're doing, listen, if you're doing nothing, you're not being patient, you're being lazy. Did I say that out loud? If you're not, if you're doing nothing, you're not being patient, you're being lazy. I've done, I've been lazy. You've been lazy. I don't want that for you. So patience is an active word. God's goal through, through trial, suffering, pain is for us to endure, persevere, be patient. Scripture is clear that God will not tempt you, but he will test you. We just talked about that. God's the ultimate teacher given the ultimate tests. So how do I as a teacher know that you pass the test, that you, you know it, that you're learning something here today? I give you a test, right? And so Monday morning at 7 a.m., we're going to all meet here. No, just kidding. We're not going to do that. <laughs> You're like, I'm at my first and last visit to Connect Church. They give exams. Listen, every day's a test. Come on, people. Figure it out. Listen, teachers give tests to help you get to the next level. And so I want to pull up a couple of images of some test scores, some test results. This young girl's name was Hope. And the teacher said, can you name the quadrilateral? Uh, Bob, Sam, Teddy, Kate, and Harry with one R. That's the quadrilateral she named, okay? And if we look over here, how do you change centimeters to meters? You take out the senti. Like, this is bad teaching. I don't know who this is. This is not good. And we all know this. Where was the Declaration of Independence signed? Well, of course, it was signed at the bottom. I think we have one more. This is my favorite over here. Guys, where? Find X. Here it is, teacher. Here it is, God. And of course, guys, we're all smarty pants here. What ended in 1896? 1895. Ended in 1896. We, we know the ultimate teacher. We know the ultimate teacher. But let us not be sarcastic or uneducated in our answers with God. If he says to suffer well, then we're going to do everything we can to do that. If he says to suffer well, we're going to do everything we can to do that. You guys have heard this, or maybe you haven't. The right, so faith that is tested is faith that can be trusted. I'm going to say it again. I want you guys to finish this with me. Faith that is tested is faith that can be trusted. God is looking to trust you. Remember, hey, does he trust me? Well, pass the test of faith. Look at trials well. Suffer well. Uh, faith that's tested becomes a genuine faith. Rugged, that, that, like, that uncompromised faith. It says this in 1 Peter. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, listen to what happens. It says it's of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. If you pass the test of faith, you will get praise. There will be praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. This is a calling for you. This is a commission. He wants you to handle tests and trials with a, a thinking response of pure joy. James encourages us to embrace trials not for what they are, but for the outcome God will accomplish through them. There's promises all, the, all over the Bible. And just a few verses later, same chapter in James, chapter 1, now it's verse 12. He promises, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. So now we, he, taught us, he teaches us in the verses we're looking at how to pass the test of faith. We're going to talk in a second about how to get stronger and then how it can be a testimony, all these things. But he says, if you do these things, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Because having stood that test, so you passed it, the person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. If you said yes to Jesus, you will be in heaven. I cannot promise you a crown or how many jewels. That's up to you. There's going to be responsibility in heaven, the Bible says. There's going to be no tears and no joy and thank you, or no tears and all joy and thank you, Jesus. But there's going to be things given to us by our Father. 
It's not just going to be well done, good and faithful servant. All right? So you have your ticket in Jesus' name. I hope you do. And if you don't, we're going to pray for you at the end of service. And we're going to, more people are going to join the kingdom of heaven today in this room. In this room. Like, praise you, Jesus. But I can't, I can't tell you what he's going to give you. And he, but he knows because of how you pass the test of faith in your trials. You don't have to wait to see God's goodness when you know his goodness. So if you know he's good, that's passing the test right there. Right? Just, just know he's good. Know he's good. The test, so, okay, so we have had a, a, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. When you persevere, you gain spiritual strength, and that's our second point, is so you can get stronger. So now you know how to pass the test, and now it's, getting, it's gaining strength, the spiritual strength. I do not go to the gym, okay? I let PD do that for me, all right? It's just, I tried to even put some, like, some stuff under the shirt. It didn't look good. I took it out. I don't go to the gym, and I'm happy with it. Anyone else happy they don't go to the gym? I can't be alone. Praise God. Okay, thank you. My Lord. Oh, listen, so this is how we can be stronger, and you can say it another way. How do you get next level with God? Well, you have to value character. You have to value character. If you value comfort over character, every trial you have will upset you. Every trial you have. Let me say that again. If you value comfort over character, every trial you have will upset you. Okay, but if you value character over comfort, Lord, have your way with me. Here I am instead of why me, you're going to grow through your trial. It's a character game here. You're gonna, he wants to see you grow. He doesn't want to take that, this, this away from you. Valuing character over comfort takes that perseverance that we were talking about. Broken down perseverance is maturity. And trials are training grounds for you to learn how to persevere how to, how to be more mature in Christ, which is really the calling of all of us as believers. If you call in the name of Jesus, you have, you have a chance to manifest his presence every day in who you are. Are you Christ-like? Are you thinking like him, talking like him, acting like him? So trials are like training challenges for an athlete. So during training, during training athletes, they build physical endurance and stamina, but that's not all. They actually look forward to the challenge. Like they look forward to physically kind of beating their body up. They look forward to the mental challenges of their training because of the benefits that follow. The same has to be said about us spiritually through our trials. Can we look forward to them because of the benefits that follow? If we did not have challenges, our Christian character would remain untested and it would remain underdeveloped. That is why they're there. If if there is a way that we can look forward to trials because, because of the benefits that follow, that's exactly what James is asking us to do. So trials develop our spiritual muscles. They give us stamina. They give us endurance to stay the course. Paul echoes the same thing we're talking about in James in Romans chapter 5. He says, not only so, but we also glory in the sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. What is this telling you guys? You cannot leapfrog to a strong hope. You cannot put your blinders on, put your head down, get through, the, know the trial's gonna end, oh, it's gonna end, it's gonna end. You can't just survive the trial, you have to thrive through the, the trial because what happens is you'll get to the end, you'll have weak hope, you'll praise God all the same, which is great, or you suffer well. You understand that, there's a pre- that the present pain you're in is for a future glory. You know that God is present, that he is good, that he will bring something better out of this. Now you have a steadfast hope. Now you finish with a strong hope. Now you have that hope that uh, the writer of Hebrews says is an anchor for your soul. If you want that kind of hope and not a weak, barely hanging on by a thread hope, then you persevere, you gain your character, and then you get to that strong 
hope. That is Christian maturity. That's what strength looks like. How do we act when we're up against it? We can't have that why me attitude. I know I have to repeat that because I've had that. We've had that. You're having it right now, some of you. Like a why, a why me. You need to have a here I am. Isaiah is being commissioned in Isaiah chapter 6. He's like, here I am, Lord. When you have a trial, when the next one comes, or if you're in the middle of it, change that posture. Here I am. What can I do for you, Father? What can I do for you? There was a sentence that I liked, and it said Christians are like uh, bags of tea. And I've actually moved it to just people. Uh, people are like bags of tea. You don't know their flavor until they get put in hot water. Why do you think God's testing you? He, he doesn't, so he, God knows all, but he needs you to know your flavor. Do you love him? Do you praise him? Do you trust him? He has a newfound strength for you, and it's, it, it, it's found in enduring and persevering through trials. Okay, so we passed the, the faith test. You know, we, we're getting stronger around every corner by persevering. Now it's time to finish complete. Point number three says is to finish complete. The verse actually says to be mature, lacking in nothing. Here's the definition. Gain the whole portion of what God wants to birth in your life. That's complete. Who does not want to gain the whole portion of what God wants to birth in your life? Who is getting in the way of God birthing the purposes of your life? Do not blame anyone. That, is, that answer is two letters. Me. You're getting in the way. I get in the way when I don't, I can't, when, when there's progress to be had and I don't reach that, that potential. We all have potential, by the way, more than potential. So in the trial, here's the thing, we don't want to be there. We want to be at the finish line, right? Like you, you, right? If you're in the middle of it now, you're like, I don't want to be there. I just want to be at the finish line. You, the thing is, you can actually get through the trial and still be incomplete without seeing tests and trials in God's perspective, in a godly light, you will physically arrive. I've done this. You've probably done this. You will get through it, but you'll be, actually be spiritually incomplete. And maybe you're just realizing that's what's going on. Okay, I got through that a year ago, but I'm actually spiritually incomplete. Because if you didn't look at it in his perspective, then you did get through it. Great job. But you're spiritually incomplete. It's not about getting through the trial. It's about growing through the trial. It's not about getting through the trial. It's about growing through the trial. I don't want to make this sound easy because it's not. But I do want to make it sound worth it because it is. Depending on the trial, the process can be grueling. I don't like what Brenda's going through right now, right? Like it could be grueling, something I've not experienced. But it's worth it. We cannot forget that crown of righteousness if we persevere. We cannot forget that pain has a purpose. Listen to this, aside from the uh, metamorphosis or the transformation that it takes to, you know, for the butterfly to go from you know, a caterpillar literally inching along to the beautiful butterfly flying around, there's a process before emerging, and it's actually like a grueling, struggling process. So the, the uh, caterpillar forms what's called a chrysalis. I thought it was a cocoon. I went online. I found out not a cocoon. It's called a chrysalis. I also, so here's the thing. I was making fun of nerds, and then I became a nerd. Um, <laughs> as I was studying butterflies, so that's good. So this is what happens, is the caterpillar forms a chrysalis, this outer exoskeleton, this harder outer structure that protects itself during the metamorphosis, during the transformation. Now this is what happens, is at the end of this, as it's formed, the only way for it to get out of the exoskeleton is to beat its wings almost into the point of death. That's how it escapes. And the most painful part comes from the people watching. 
because they, they want to go, go and cut it, cut the chrysalis with scissors. But if they let the butterfly out, the butterfly won't have the strength to fly. Is that wild? That's what God's doing to you in your trials. He has all the power to come and cut that chrysalis. But you won't have what it takes to get through the next trial. We love you, Lord. You won't have what it takes maybe to get through the next day if he comes and cuts that for you. Is that amazing, church? Is that amazing? And if you're on your first trial or your last, maybe you didn't get the job you prayed for, or the doctor gave you a time frame remaining. Like, I don't, I don't know. But what I do know is God's designed you to finish strong. But you have to do the work. Paul says in Romans, I fought the good fight. Are you fighting the good fight? I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He's like, I passed the test that James is talking about. And then verse 8, from now on there is reserved for me a crown. Here it is again. It's all over. A crown of righteousness is waiting for you. But it comes with perseverance, being patient, actively patient, waiting. Don't labor in vain. Your wings are, you know, you're, you're beating your wings. You're beating your wings. God, I love you. God, I trust you. You're beating your wings. You're beating your wings. God, I'm, uh, wh- why are you doing this? You're beating your wings. Oh, oh, so as I can fly. Oh, you know more than me. God. Okay. Don't labor in vain. Don't just get through your trial. Pass the test and grow through it. Okay, so you've got an A plus on your test of faith. You're gaining strength with your perseverance around every corner. Uh, now, you're not, now you're finishing it complete. Here's the last point. I opened with this. It's so you can be an example. So you can be an example. The world is watching. When you're going through a trial, you're going to get stronger. You're going to finish complete, spiritually complete. And then someone's going to be like, how the heck did you do that? Well, let me introduce you to Jesus. Your mess can become a message only if you get through it and consider it pure joy. So you can be an example. And there's there's a testimony I want to share. His name is Horatio Spafford. That was going to be the name of our son if we had a boy. That's not true. The, uh, thank you, Lord, for having Peyton. There's a, this man, I heard this story maybe about 10 or 12 years ago. It's absolutely shaped. I've gone through some my share of trials the last decade. And if I didn't know, if I didn't kind of internalize and study this story um, and a few others, uh, there's another I could have shared from, um, I don't know if you guys have heard of Pastor Levi Lusco up in Montana, like he lost his three-year-old daughter. I want to share that one. But like, guys, there's so many, the reactions to some godly people after they lose someone is exactly what God's getting at here. Like I remember Levi was actually, I remember reading that. I was living with my sister at the time and I don't like, generally don't cry. Well, maybe now I do because I'm a dad, but I didn't a decade ago. And she came in, I was on my lunch break reading this book through the eyes of a lion. I was sobbing, sobbing because his daughter, dies. I wasn't even going to share this, but his daughter dies of um, asthma, an asthma attack. And him and his wife start to praise God at her body and invite people to the Christmas service. I can't even like, so I'm bawling. And I'm just like, I don't even understand this, God. I understand it a little more now. So there's that one that I guess, there you go. And then I want to share this this story about Horatio Spafford. So that 1870, um, he's a real estate lawyer. He, He owns the whole north side of Chicago and a thriving uh, law firm, you know, very wealthy uh, Presbyterian. And there's, and he loses his son. He's a four-year-old son to scarlet fever. 
And there's also the great, uh, I think it was 1871, the Great Chicago Fire. They call it the Great Chicago Fire because the entire city was literally ashes. Like you can look it up, gone. The entire city. So all of his real estate, all of his investments are gone. So he's like, all right, things aren't going well. He knows D.L. Moody. We talked about Billy Graham in the beginning. Go 100 years before, you had an evangelist named D.L. Moody who was all over America and Europe spreading the good news. He's friends with him. So he's like, honey, he's in, D.L.'s in Europe. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna take a break. Like life was just hitting them hard, right? Loses their son. They have this, um, they, they're, they're, their entire business in the city they own is up in smoke. And so they're like, we need to take a break. How many people know you need to take a break sometimes? But let me tell you, you need to run two relationships. And that's what he was doing. He's going to his friend um, over in Europe. So something comes up with work and he has to handle it. So he doesn't get on. He's like, I'll be there in a couple of days. His wife, Anna, and their four daughters get on and they, their ship gets hit by a British vessel coming across the Atlantic. All four girls die. All four girls. There's actually, you can find it online, the telegram. So she has to get to, she's saved. She has to get over to Europe. I think it's London. And she has to send a telegram to him, by the way. It says saved alone. So that's what he gets. Saved alone. And so he gets on, I would hope the next ship, right? But I wasn't there. But he gets on the next day or two. He gets on, he's heading over. And I've heard several different accounts, but he spent basically the whole time on the bow of the ship. And... One of the accounts, the captain came and told him where the site was that his girls had perished. And it was then that he wrote something that I believe is hopefully familiar to you, but I want you guys to have a listen to. When peace like a river And a death my way when sorrows like sea billows roll And whatever my lot Thou hast taught me to say And Didn't even, he hasn't even hugged his wife yet. He wrote that. So this isn't 20 years later, by the way. You can write something good 20 years after a trial. You've learned a lot, right? This is days. No s services for the kids. He writes, have you guys heard that before? He writes, it is well with my soul. Is it well with your soul? Do you, have, do you know maybe even just from today? Because you're equipped now, it's up to you to suffer well. It's all over scripture. You can take your pick. Paul in 1 Thessalonians tells us, he instructs us that the will of God is for us to be joyful in all circumstances. All. He was shipwrecked, persecuted, imprisoned. He was persecuted to be imprisoned and prison was sometimes the safest place for him. What? Because he, he knew Jesus? And yet he knew, the, he knew joy in the face of trials. You can look at David, a man after God's own heart. He's anointed to be king, and then he spends years running through caves in the wilderness being hunted down. There's a time, oh, then he, you know, he uh, takes Bathsheba, and we know commits adultery, and then he has her husband murdered, right? And then there's even a time where his son, 
wants to take his throne. Like what? Yet through all David's trials, he rejoices in God's steadfast love. He wrote 90% of the Psalms. Like that's a man that was just full of imperfection and sin, yet he just talks about God's faithfulness. There's a part of me that doesn't even want to look at David as an example, except that's all I can look at because of his reaction. God's steadfast love and faithfulness. And then you look at Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And I can only hope for some of you a brand new Lord and Savior in just a moment. Isaiah prophesied. That means this is before Jesus was here. Isaiah said, Jesus will be a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. In Hebrews 12, too, we read that Jesus, we heard this in communion, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. For the joy set before him endured the cross. He held on to joy as his body went through excruciating pain. We get the word crucifixion is where we get the word excruciating. Excruciating pain he went through. But there was joy set before him. It was his love for us and his love for the Father that helped him endure the cross with joy set before him. That can be said of you. Your love for God the Father, your love and passion for Jesus, the Holy Spirit, can help you endure the cross that we're told to take up our cross, aren't we? Pick it up. Follow me. Can we endure our pain with joy set before us knowing that our Lord did the same? I want everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes with me. Before, God, I pray you learned something today. I know some of you are in it right now. You're in it right now. Consider it pure joy. I'm asking you right now. I just did my best to tell you how. And if I can break it down to one word, it's trust. Just trust that he knows more than you know. Throw everything else out. Just trust him. You put your trust in him. Now you get to prove that. You get to prove that. And for anyone in here, I'm telling you, don't worry about how to handle the next trial have not called on the name of Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's not worth it. Just do your best to enjoy what you have here because there's going to come a time at the end of our time here and you're going to go right or left. There's a separation. The Bible says sheep and goats. We are eternal. Every single one of us. Where are we going is up to us. He did the work. Done. Already. Where are you going? We asked earlier, does God trust me? Now I want to ask you, do you love him? Are you ready if you haven't never done it? Are you ready to call on Jesus as Lord and Savior? It's so clear in scripture that God sent his only son, Jesus, to die for us. And that if we say yes, then we get to be with him forever. Not away from him. That's hell. Is separated from God forever. The God of creation. He loves you. He wants nothing more than to be with you. But if you don't understand that his son died for you, that it's not about actions. Don't worry about what you've done to get here. Don't worry about what you're going to do later today. It is by grace, through faith, you are saved. And I want to ask you right now, are you ready to 
finally call on Jesus' name as the full source of power in your life. And if you are, I just want to ask you with every head bowed and eye closed, I just want to ask you to put your hand for me. If you are ready to call Jesus your Lord and Savior, anyone else, good and high, yes, yes. This is, yes, life change, life transformation right now. Come on, there is somebody else in this room ready for life change in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Yes, yes, yes. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. And congregation, church, family, we're going to pray together. It's because nobody prays alone. So just repeat after me. Say, God Almighty, I love you so much. I know I'm a sinner, but I'm giving full control to you. As of this moment, Jesus, you are Lord of my life. I know what you did on the cross, and I receive your forgiveness. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Church, can we give it up for what God taught you this morning? He loves you. He wants nothing but the best for you. Framingham, Tri-County and online, we love you. We'll see you next week. Come on.